Hello and welcome to Diminishing Returns, the Marvel movie podcast that's taken the world by storm. <laughs> of course, we're not we're not just the Marvel movie podcast, but there's enough films coming out Feels from like it is the Marvel studio <laughs> on a yearly basis that uh, it does sometimes feel like it's all we ever talk about. Mm. Which is great, because I love Marvel. Eh? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Eh? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Well, we're dealing with some of their best tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, such a sarky, <laughs> angry man. Well, let's let's uh, clarify for the listener. We are okay. We are so, Captain a... Marvel's coming out. Yeah, and uh, there's no obvious. This isn't like Thor three or Guardians of the Galaxy two, where it's like, oh, I know what we can do to tie in with that. So, um, we thought, well, let's do those Incredible Hulk movies because. Uh, they're not getting a sequel anytime soon. Yeah. So, what are we covering today? Um, well, I, I think really the episode's to tie in with the Ed Norton 2008 Incredible Hulk, but we figured we might as well chuck the Ang Lee Hulk movie into the mix as well mm-hmm. while we were doing it. And I, I also think you were going to watch some some of the old 70s Hulk TV yeah. stuff. I don't know if you got around to that. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I've got a couple of uh, examples that I watched to, just to give a bit of sense of the background, yeah. I wish I'd had the time to watch some of that actually, because the films really do like pay a lot of homage to that old Hulk TV show. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, well, I I think that the reason that the one of the reasons that Hulk was one of the early Marvel film offerings in terms mm, of this mm. new kind of Marvel is because of that TV show. It had lineage. It had yeah, yeah, uh, I, more mainstream recognition. I think the Incredible Hulk TV series was quite a big deal in the 70s. I think it was one of the big TV shows going, from what I understand, and it's it's easy for someone of my age, certainly, to completely gloss over that when looking at, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the, the history of superhero movies and all that, but no, you're right. I, I mean, Hulk is very much a um, one of the big recognised household name superheroes, you know? Mm-hmm. Before the Avengers came out, people knew who the Incredible Hulk was. They didn't know who Iron Man was. They didn't know who yeah. Thor was. They didn't know who Captain America was necessarily. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, if you've if you've watched some of them, what what? what well, do you, you want to? If you want, let's let's go right back. Do you want to talk a little bit about the comic book series? I mean, obviously, right. I don't know anything about it. I assume you don't know that much, but you're probably going to be able to educate me a little bit. I've never really read many Hulk standalone comics. Um, I've read lots of Avengers comics and, you know, collaborative multiple hero things where the Hulk will pop up. So do you know when the comic started or anything like that? Uh, I, I think it was, you know, the 50s, 60s height of um, Stan Lee pumping out mm-hmm. ideas and, you know... I know with Stan Lee, I, I think he was more involved with Hulk and he was more of a personal creation of his than a lot of the heroes he's you know, the creator of, because it, it, it was very much a representation of his anger. And I don't know if Stan Lee has had anger issues in life or what, but <laughs> reading between the lines, it certainly seems like he feels as though he has, and he sort of worked them into this Hulk character who uh, I believe was originally grey, and then Jack yeah. Kirby, I guess it must have been, painted him green and and sort of developed it but yeah i think it was very much meant as a manifestation of like you know the the worst side of a person so ripping off dr jekyll and mr hyde yeah exactly and that's something that gets referenced uh in the tv show a lot the jekyll and hyde idea you said there that it sort of represents the worst view. I don't. I don't think it's that particularly. It's it's kind of more the the primitive. The yeah, anger and well, I, I, not even aggression, I, I think, but just brute force. Yeah, I, I think that's what it is now. But I think it was kind of conceived as more of a just manifestation of yeah, yeah, or at least like anger specifically. Um, yeah. Hulk's more of a King Kong figure now, isn't he? He's just like a, mm. a big dumb brute who isn't necessarily a bad guy. Yeah, let's go into that later because yeah, we'll talk about how the characters changed in popular culture. Yeah. Well, so the TV show. Doctor David Banner, 
physician, scientist, searching for a way to tap into the hidden strengths that all humans have. Then an accidental overdose of gamma radiation interacts with his unique body chemistry. And now when David Banner grows angry or outraged, a startling metamorphosis occurs. by an investigative reporter. Mr. McGee, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. An accidental explosion took the life of a fellow scientist and supposedly David Banner as well. The reporter thinks the creature was responsible. I gave a description to all the law enforcement agencies. They got a warrant for murder out of it. which David Banner can never prove he or the creature didn't commit. So he must let the world go on thinking that he too is dead until he can find a way to control the raging spirit that dwells within him. Originally made in 1977 with Bill Bixby playing David Banner. Now I was reading about this, so they changed the name from Bruce to David because they wanted to kind of distance from the comic book a little bit, and this kind of alliterative name was very like comic booky, mm. and they kind of wanted to get. But also, I read somewhere that they thought the name Bruce was a bit gay, so they just didn't want to have the name Bruce. <laughs> like, why that's gay? I don't know. But, but, so they changed it to David, and and they've changed they they changed quite a lot of things um, for the TV show. But general consensus, in terms of just the little bits I was reading, there's the it was all very sensible and made sense in terms of adapting for a TV show and, a, you know, going from comic book to much more of a real, reality-based medium. Um, so everyone seems pretty happy with the show. You, you haven't seen it, obviously, but I'm sure you're familiar with the visual, you know, Lou Ferrigno as the Hulk. I, yeah, I, I, I'm well aware of the references made to it from modern pop culture, particularly both of the Hulk films we're going to be talking about. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very aware of Lou Ferrigno. Um, I know the Lonely Man scene um, yeah. where he's hitchhiking. Well, that's it, and, and but the apparently I was because really, I was thinking like this is nineteen seventy seven. I thought I wonder if a couple of years later, if this was made, if it would have been Arnold Schwarzenegger in this role. But uh, then I was reading about it, and apparently Schwarzenegger was up for it, and they decided he was too short because he's not particularly big in terms of bodybuilding mm. guys. Mm. He's about six foot, six foot one or something like that. Whereas Lou Ferrigno's six four, some, some a little bit bigger. Um, and apparently they also they had. Uh, Richard Kyle, as in Jaws oh. from the Bond world. Um, okay. They had him, like, signed up to do it and then kind of, you know, realised that, yes, he's tall, but he's not really that muscular. Um, so it doesn't work. So then they, they went to Lou Ferrigno, who was, uh, you know, a big bodybuilder at the time. I think one of the main downsides of the TV show is the incredible Hulk himself, the Hulk, it's... A big bloke. Just a big bloke painted, painted green. Painted green, yeah. And it is a big bloke. It's the sort of bloke you might go, oh, that's quite a big bloke. I bet he's a bodybuilder. But that's about it. <laughs> it's like, he's not freakishly big. He's... But I'm, I'm sure they portray him as being super strong. Like, I'm sure he can rip yeah, doors yeah, off cars and stuff like that. I watched that first episode, which is the pilot. It was the origin story. I thought that was a good place to go. It was actually a double episode. It was like an hour and uh, an hour and a half, like Ooh. two TV hours. So it was essentially a feature film, and it did kind of break up into two, where like the origin story and then a kind of like the opening adventure. Um, and it was actually pretty good. It it was definitely very watchable. Um, it's not very action based, and I think that probably goes for the series in general. Just a budget thing, I guess. But it, it really was focusing more on the character of Banner. In the setup, it, it has him as he's a scientist and 
his wife or whoever it was, his love, has died in a car accident. And, you know, he was in the car accident with her, but he couldn't get her out. Like, he wasn't strong enough to save her. Like, physically right. strong enough. And so he keeps having these nightmares about, like, trying to lift the car up. And so he's, his research has kind of come obsessed with this idea, you know, when people are in accidents and, like, oh, my baby's trapped in this car and they can pick the car up and they're suddenly, like, super strong. You know, that concept. So they're working on that. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. he's So he's desperately trying to figure out, like, why can they do that and I didn't. David, there's something here. What? There's an abnormal concentration of the adenine-thymine combination. Ah. Okay. Okay, now let's take a look at Mr. Bram's DNA structure. Anything? Yes, Mr. Bram has it too. Ah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Elena, we may have found it. Um, and then they kind of basically, you know, through a bit of sort of pseudoscience and, and shenanigans, they figure out that gamma radiation is the thing that is a trigger. So he then blasts himself with a load of gamma radiation, accidentally blasts himself with way more than he meant to. And hence we create the Hulk. Right. But then the other sort of side story, which has become something that's in the whole series is that this journalist is like, he's snooping around. He's, he senses that something's up and they're trying to hide it. And so the entire series is like him on the run and this journalist trying to chase him down. That's the basic setup, and I think the series just carried on like that. He's traveling around, and then he'd help people. He's trying to find a cure, and then this journalist would come snooping around, and he had to hide. And I think the focus of the series really was about the loneliness of this character. And like you say, there's that kind of classic, you know, hitchhiking, the the loneliness music. Uh, But yeah, I mean, there's not a lot to say about it. I think if you're interested in the Hulk and the history of the Hulk, it's worth watching just like that first episode. I think it would give you a good taste of the of the feel of it. There's a bit where um, there's a Frankenstein reference where he first goes out and he, you know, there's a little girl by the river and she's so scared she falls in and then he's like trying to help her and stuff. But it's all very much of Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, and he doesn't speak. Uh, the Hulk does not speak in the TV series. Does he Does he not even by the final episode? What, right at the end he goes, friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I think... My understanding with the Hulk is he'll generally become more talkative as the series goes on, inevitably. And the idea is that he's kind of becoming smarter or growing up almost, this like mm. alter ego. And I know they got Luthering though into um, voice the Hulk in. Which uh, is odd because. I, he... I think the Ed Norton film, possibly yeah. the Ang Lee film as well. But he doesn't voice it in the uh, TV series. Well, that's what I mean. It would imply that at some point in the course of that show, he he said like Hulk smash or something. No, no they, they took it, but they, he does make a lot. Of, but it was all dubbed in later by someone else. It wasn't Lou Ferrigno. Very weird. Hmm. Uh, that was the one I watched, and it was the first series, and I didn't sort of see how it progressed particularly. But then I jumped forward a little bit because basically the TV show ran for about four or five years. And then uh, the rights went to a different studio and they made a few TV movies. And I thought, oh, I'll watch one of them. Because it was like 1988, the one I watched was made. They did three of them. This was the first one. It was called The Incredible Hulk Returns. I thought, I'll watch this. I'll just sort of see how it's progressed over 10 years, see if it's changed any particularly. But then it turned out to be quite an interesting thing because it was like a backdoor pilot for a Thor. Oh, is this what I'm thinking of? Was Thor in it? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen I've seen images about this and been meaning to watch it, and I always forget it exists. Yeah, I think it's worth watching just in terms of the history of like Marvel and that. Uh, yeah, so it's not so much about the Hulk. He kind of teams up with this other guy who can summon Thor. Uh, this guy like found Thor's hammer, and so like he holds it up and goes Odin, and then Thor appears. Not Odin. <laughs> no, no, it's just because Odin's the one who controls it all, right? Odin's like, oh, not him again. Thor, deal with it. 
<laughs> but Thor, the guy who plays Thor is played by, I know him as the guy who plays Little John in uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights. So he's just like quite a tall, blonde guy. Again, just got a sort of fairly big guy, nothing like um, godly or anything. But it actually works quite nicely. It's a little bit comedic. He's got a, he's got enough charm and personality to get away with it. There's a scene where they go to like a biker bar because he needs to let loose and he's drinking them all under the table and like all that sort of thing. There's these little comedy moments. It was a nice little thing. It wasn't a good <laughs> film because it was... It was, the budget was just too low. There was when they were when they were having fights. Like at one point, Hulk and Thor fight before they become friends, uh, and then they have to fight the bad guys and all this. But it was all very just like eighties TV show, like A Team kind of standard. Lots of slow motion, lots of use of slow motion, which didn't really work. So yeah, very low key, just really lacking in budget. Very low key scope. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So yeah, I mean that was uh, I watched that was the only ones I watched. They made a couple more uh, TV movies. Uh, theoretically, there were going to be more. Bill Bixby, who played Banner, died, um, so that kind of pretty much put an end to it. And that the last one was 1990. So then, wow, there's sort of a big no, gap. Well, but I mean, it was present in one form or another for a long time then. Yeah. And obviously, there have been uh, cartoons on the air for yeah. I think since the 60s. So, fast forward a little. So the superhero a boom. Of, yeah, of superheroes the are now cool. 90s. Technology has caught up to a point where now these things are achievable. Uh, yeah, X Men and Spider Man. X Men and Spider Man have come out and and proved proven that this is like yeah, turn this into the new Hollywood trend. And yeah, Hulk is quite understandably one of the first to to go into production. And I, I don't know if they'd been working on a Hulk movie for a while. I get the feeling that that's something that had been gestating, you know, pre-superhero boom. As superhero concepts go, it's one you can conceive doing relatively easily. Like, the fact they made a TV show of that, you know, having a big bloke who's green is is relatively easy to achieve. And obviously the way they do it is by 2003 is, you know, it's not a real person. It's, a you know, computer imaging and all that. But I think if you're in the late 90s or whatever and trying to figure out which one of these superheroes we can make, like, which one are you going to go for? Like, Spider-Man is a lot more ambitious in terms of the, you know, the aerial acrobatics and stuff you'd have to achieve. Spider-Man was a long gestating James Cameron project, you know? That was James Cameron shooting for the stars like he does with just insane... I can pull this off. I can make this work, and and unless we forget, Spider Man also had a um, a live action TV series around the seventies, I think. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, two thousand and three, mm-hmm. Hulk comes out. I remember this coming out. Do you, do you remember this? Um, yeah, I, mean, I don't know if I saw it at the time. I can't remember, but I've definitely seen it before. I rewatched it this week. As much as I was really into superhero films, I just remember thinking this looked kind of dull and rubbish. I think I <laughs> actually pirated this film online, watched it online. I don't know if I ever finished the film until I rewatched it for this podcast, because <laughs> if I did, I definitely didn't retain any like memory of what happened. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's probably going to give away a lot of <laughs> how I feel about this one. Uh, so, Ang Lee... Mm-hmm. Very well respected. I think I've hated every film of his I've ever seen. <laughs> hey, can I? Can we have a little offshoot here, a little sidebar? Yeah. I just this afternoon watched Life of Pi. Have you seen it? I hate Life of Pi. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I, it's one of the only films of his I've seen. I also disliked it. <laughs> really? Because I, I know, I mean, I know I liked, you like Brokeback Mountain. Yeah. I, but in terms, I of the, in terms of the direction of... Um, Life of Pi. I, I didn't have a problem with it as a direction. I thought it was very beautifully made. And all oh, that. I just thought, yeah. I, just I, the Life message of, Pi... of it was, was, I guess it's the book I don't like. Because it's the message of it and the the, the whole concept just really annoyed yeah, me. Yeah, I didn't like any of the story at all. Just bring that up because, you know, that's an Ang Lee film. It's about, it's about someone dealing with a metaphor for their well, base instincts. The only other one I've seen is Brokeback Mountain, which is similarly slow, ponderous, <laughs> drama about nothing and complete and utter lack of understanding of how human beings interact with one another and 
Well, my, film... my, you know, my, my in, in a nutshell, my issue with Brokeback Mountain is it's supposed to be a love story, but to me, it never once felt like either of the men fell in love with each other. It just felt like they fucked each other once oh, yeah. on a whim, and that was like it. Mm. <laughs> um, and I wanted to see him fall in love. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoy Brokeback Mountain, but it's been. I think I've only watched it once since it was on the cinema. I, I'd have to watch it again to give you a proper assessment. He he has of course though uh, made Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Well, that was the film he made for, immediately I... prior to this, um, and obviously it is. A I've bit never seen it, but it's a big action-y. action movie, isn't it? Well, it's a martial arts movie. It's not quite the same thing. It's a lot of like people on wires and, and yeah, and, but like, you you can see stuff. how someone would go and see that and think, oh, this director's going to be great on a superhero movie. Yeah, but it's also like an arty martial arts film. It's not, it's it? not, a, it's not like a one that from the 70s that Tarantino would... Yeah, yeah, watch. but I, it was, is it like Hero? Kind of like, Have you seen Hero? Is it that kind of vibe? Yes, but yeah, it's more about yeah visuals. and It's not really about the action. Um, and even if it is, it's a totally different type of action to what you'd need in a, in a film such as Hulk. So, on that basis, Ang Lee, and uh, basically, probably my biggest complaint about Hulk is it is directed incorrectly. As it's it's yeah. like the wrong style, the wrong tone, and it doesn't match what they're actually trying to do visually and with the story. From what I've seen of Ang Lee, and I know I just said that Life of Pi seemed like a, a well-directed film, but I, I don't really remember it very well. What I've seen of Ang Lee, I get the impression he's not a very good director. Like, one of my notes here is, what's Ang Lee's English like? Because the acting is... It's like everyone's sedated in this film. It's just like, the the performances are dreadful. But it has that feel of a film directed by someone who doesn't speak English very well. I think he's fine with English, actually. Like, and I was going to say, I've, I've heard him at, like, director's roundtable discussion, so I don't think this is it, but... Well, he's one of his big breakthrough films was Sense and Sensibility, you know, quintessential oh, English right. drama, you know, is um, Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson, all that sort of mm. thing. So, I mean, yeah, very sort of very British sens- sens- sense and sensibility to, to what It's just, does. the pacing is awful Yeah, in this yeah, film. Definitely, definitely. There's just, no sense of pace. It's slow yeah. and pon... Like every Ang Lee film I've seen, it's arbitrarily slow and long for no reason. And I also kind of quite quickly made a note, like, what's with all these weird editing techniques? Like, what's, what's yeah. with all the, like, shot within shot? And um, Oh, well, that's that's because it's a comic book, Alan. Well, yeah, exactly. I was about an and hour you know, in. And you know how comic books a- use multiple <laughs> panels to show you the same, the same stuff thing, yeah. happening from different angles in real time? Oh, no way, that's not at all what comic books do, is it? They They well, show you one panel, then they show you the next panel. Well, that was it, and I was about an hour in when that kind of clicked. It's like, oh, it's tra- it's kind of having a comic book sort of style, and I was okay with that. Yeah, what you've just said, like it doesn't really work, but it's kind of like creating panels and just using that kind of idea as in as as an influence rather than trying to recreate yeah, it. Particularly, I, I, I was alright with that. I think but I didn't get it until I was well in. <laughs> so it's inevitable we were going to get a, a superhero film in the early glut that was just like, hey, man. This is a comic book come to life. It's mm. like bam, pow, like the old Batman man. I like I, I don't get the impression Ang Lee reads comics, basically. No. It it comes across like a, an old man's interpretation <laughs> of what comic books must be like. But I think I think it was I don't think it was trying to let's try and recreate that visual. It was just like, okay, look, we're coming from a comic book style, so let's just take some infuse some influences from that. Let's let's kind of take some little inspiration points and use that somehow. Just incorporate it in. I don't think they're trying to do too too much with it. But what really made it click with me was when that the bad guy who's kind of like a just a secondary bad guy who you don't know why he's there, when he dies, there's kind of this explosion and he kind of like you see his body and then it's like outlined in white and encompassed by the flames in a very comic book kind of way. Do you remember that? If you saw it, you must not have been watching by this point, because if you saw it, you would have... I, I, like, I'll be honest, I, I really tried. <laughs> I mean, I, fade, I was phased out by the end. This was hard wrong, but... <laughs> work, all right? And I like, I... Oh, I... Oh, I yeah. Because <laughs> there's the bit where he jumps out of the explosion, and yeah, then he yeah, yeah. turns into like a cardboard cutout, and it's... <laughs> 
It's strange because it's that particular moment is like, yeah, I can see what they're doing. It's this comic book styling. Yeah. But it's so much further than the rest of the film goes. And That's it's so the thing. much more it, detached than the rest of the film is. If you were going to do this, it needs to be happening throughout the film. Yeah. It's like the lightest peppering of these moments. And to be honest, I think even in 2003, that was kind of hacky, outdated shit. I, I, I feel like there were films like. Like barbed wire, you know that Pamela Anderson thing. Weren't yeah. they going for that kind of pulpy? Hey, it's just like a comic book man kind of vibe. <laughs> Maybe they weren't, but I, I, I'm sure I've seen films from pre two thousand three do the same sort of stuff. So, I mean, what happens at the end of this film? Uh, big explosion. Hulk's stuck in some ice. There's some big, there's a big fight scene. Yeah, that's it. Nick Nolte is the main bad guy. So Nick Nolte is his dad and it becomes this kind of big bad guy thing. This whole backstory of him and his dad, and which is fine. I think the concept is all good. The The, the story is good. It's just dragged out. It's not yeah, well yeah. developed. It's... Well, I've, I've made the note, every scene in the film is ten times longer than it should be. Yeah. Just for no reason. And that's the thing. All the scenes... Like, are fine. All the plot beats are there. This film should be, like, under 90 minutes. (laughs) The amount of, like, stuff that happens, the amount of depth within it. This should be a sleek, like, 87-minute movie. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, And And it's nearly two and a half hours long. It's absurd. And it's just, like, even, like, the action scenes, the music isn't right for it then it like mm. it's like the music's just like dum 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 like it needs to like the music is what will get you going and the you edit to it you can make it snappier make it pacier and mm. it's just that's all missing it's all not there mm. so should we t- talk about the cast a bit yeah yeah so obviously the lead is Eric Banner who you know for a couple of years there Banner playing Banner was a thing in Hollywood off the back of Chopper like it just completely Shot him into Hollywood, and and then he never quite lived up to the hype, did he? I don't know. I I, I quite like Eric Banner. Mm-hmm. I've got a real sort of soft spot for him, and I I kind of I think it's just I can't tell if it's a shame that he's not bigger than he is, or if it's good because it means he makes more projects that are my you know what I want to see him in. Because I don't I don't want to see him doing big blockbusters. I don't think I I want to watch him in stuff like Funny People. Where he's just an annoying Australian man. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. Genuinely, I would put his performance in Chopper would be on my like top top five like best acting performances ever. Like I love that. It's fantastic. It's a great film, and he brings it to life perfectly. But I've never seen him do anything that lives up to that really. And I think maybe I mean, it's he's... just a bit of a high standard. But not to say he's bad or anything. It's just. I mean, he's working. It's just. None of us went to see King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. But even that looks like a big film, you know? It's yeah, not like that's it? a little... Uh, um... Yeah, it's a Guy Ritchie movie. Oh, right, well, that was... <laughs> yeah, we're talking Sherlock Holmes Guy Ritchie here, not like mm. early days Guy Ritchie, so... Like, he's doing stuff, he's just not doing good stuff that's penetrating into, <laughs> like, cultural significance. Tell him he's dreaming. <laughs> Jennifer Connolly similar. She's always been a kind of B-list peripheral actor, yeah, hasn't she? She's never her, really yeah. had a big time to shine, but it's a shame because she's she's good. I don't know. It always feels like she's a supporting woman. <laughs> I don't know. It just it feels like she should have more lead roles under her belt. Yeah. So yeah, a little bit kind of nothingy. Sam Elliott is hey, her dad Elliott, slash the man, the guy who's chasing Hulk. Um, Sam the man, yeah, solid. Really always. wasted. Yeah, it doesn't get a chance. It's a bit of a over, over the top character. Yeah, which I yeah. guess it has to. Feels be like badly directed. All these performances feel badly directed. To be honest, it feels yeah. like you're getting the worst yeah. out of good actors. You got so Josh Lucas is a forgettable other villain that's kind of forgotten even in the film. And then Nick Nolte. Uh, oh, he he's fucking bizarre. He does Bruce not Banner's feel dad. like he fits into this film. Yeah. But there's there's one scene in particular where they have their final kind of showdown before they turn into monsters. And it's just like Nick Nolte just going off, like chewing the scene, literally chewing the scenery at one point and turns him into a monster. I gave you life. Now you must give it back to me. 
Only at me and times more radiant, more powerful. Stop! Stop! What? Stop! What? Think about all those men out there in their uniforms, barking and swallowing orders, inflicting their petty rule over the entire globe. Think of all the harm they've done to you, to me, to humanity. And that—I mean, it was too long, but that—I, you've probably checked out by this point. It's quite near the end. I know how I had. No, I think I checked back in at that point. I kind of the films vaguely got my attention again near the end. Just, I think more than anything, it's because Nick Nolte was chewing the scenery to the extent that he was <laughs> when he bites that cable and turns into electricity. Well, I didn't. The thing is, I didn't really know what the fuck was going on at that point. It was like, I. well, he's just turned into a giant electric monster. What's going on? Yeah, I thought I was like, "What? He's absorbing the power? Oh no, he's t- oh he's he becomes he whatever into he metal. Touches, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the first time we've seen him become something less tangible than like a physical object. Yeah, uh, it's like, oh, I didn't realize he could like turn into the concept of love. <laughs> we didn't, we hadn't quite established that yet. <laughs> but uh, fine. And I have no idea what happened at the end. How they overcame this. If Bruce Banner has to run away and be lonely, can you remember? Yeah, he, he runs off to live in Brazil, I believe. That's right. There's a little scene right at the end where he's getting angry at some uh, some people in a forest. Mm. Mm. Yes, so he has run away basically and had to kind of go and hide, which is a c- common theme. There's a good chunk in the middle of this film that should have been like Venom levels of insanity, or Aquaman levels of insanity. It should have been impossible for it to not be entertaining on some level. But they do it. They found a way. <laughs> yeah. Should we rate it? Yeah, what'd you give it? I gave it five. Ooh, very generous. <laughs> Mr. Generous I, over the, here. The thing is, though, I do actually genuinely like a character story, you know? I'm not bothered about action films. So the character elements that were here... And the development of the character and, and the backstory and stuff. Like, I think the concept was all there. It was just dragged out and not very well Yeah, I made. agree. It's just badly acted and boring. I don't like this film at all. I give it 3 out of 10. Ooh, I thought it was appalling, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, really bad. So, it wasn't particularly a commercial success either. Well, I guess they never made that sequel, yeah. I mean, it may have made it money back or whatever, but it wasn't like the big franchise creator that they were hoping for. Ding dong. Oh, hello. Who's this? Someone with fingers small enough to press the bell, so it's not the Hulk. All large. Oh, God. (laughs) God, is is that a man with a Scottish accent I hear? It's uh, it's me. It's American Bond. Japanese Bond's busy today. Oh, yes. I've uh, I've started come along help out me uh, my cousin. We're <laughs> so all Ameri- we're, American, we're all related, you know. American Bond. What what film were you? Did you appear in? Film. I'm I'm a super secret agent. I'll Jeff- have you Jeff- <laughs> Have you what? <laughs> <laughs> have you knew? <laughs> okay. Yeah, sorry, I think, I Shani, what you'll find is... <laughs> I didn't recognise you. Americans. Americans don't have as good an ear for accents from <laughs> around the world. You're not, we're not as exposed to accents from a young age, watching films from other cultures and that. So, my American Bond accent is a little bit ropier than... Uh, <laughs> Then you'll find with the other, the other, the other bonds, yeah. McCushions. The Japanese bond has a lot of. Oh, Japanese bonds. bond gets you spot on every time. But, uh, <laughs> American bond. Anyway, you know, Japanese bond <laughs> and American bond sound less and less like Sean Connery every time. <laughs> <laughs> it's just become well, a much more generic Scottish accent. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, wh- why are you here? <laughs> I've I come bearing a message. All right. So I'm I'm here to celebrate. Uh, how many years has it been now? I'm here to celebrate f- three glorious economic years under uh, President Trump. Okay. Been doing wonders for this country. You think? This country. My country. <laughs> <laughs> this country. <laughs> referring to my, the picture of the United States I'm holding up, large. <laughs> Oh, right, yeah, I didn't notice that. 
Yes, yes, yes. Uh, sure. Uh, but as well as thanking our great President Trump, <laughs> which is a very, very weird bit we're doing here. I don't yeah. really know what this is all about, to be honest. I'm not sure where we're going with this. Just... <laughs> but as well as thanking him, uh, I also wanted to just send a couple of thanks out on behalf of Japanese Bond oh, to right, okay. uh, our latest patrons, oh, good, supporters good, good. of the uh, the Arch. Yes. Um, I believe thank- Donald Trump is a big supporter of the arts as well. Oh, he's a big supporter of this podcast, lads. He loves uh, it. Oh, is he one of our patrons? Oh, he is, he is, lads. So thank you, President Trump, for giving us a dollar a month. It's <laughs> good. good <laughs> very, very significant. We, we appreciate his hard, hard financial times out there, so we appreciate it. <laughs> well, you know, lads, he's, he's got to have something to keep him uh, entertained whilst he's... Uh, puttering along in the White House, especially whilst the government's shut down. He can't do anything because <laughs> of the bloody Democrats. More like Democrats. That's what I call them, lads. Democrats. <laughs> Very good. Eh? Very clever there, Republican man. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, anyway, as well as President Trump, thanks to him, thank you as well to Benjamin Burry. And we, we hope... <laughs> we hope very much that uh, Benjamin Burry, you won't mind... Uh, being thanked in the same <laughs> <laughs> sentence <laughs> as all powerful leader Trump, <laughs> our, our great sure benevolent leader. Yes, so Benjamin Burry messages us a lot. Yeah, he's, we, we chat to him, gives us uh, suggestions for the show uh, on the Facebook page, as anyone else can as well, coming out of the facebook.com forward slash diminishing returns podcast. Uh, and you can leave us a message or put something on the wall and get a conversation started. Tell you what, lads, diminishing your returns is the podcast equivalent of the wall. <laughs> hey, American eh? Bond. And you, you can put that American, on a t-shirt. American Bond, have you seen Vice? Oh, no, no, I don't. Not as, I'm not watching that liberal gobshite. <laughs> I don't watch Hollywood films, do I, lads? Do you not? Because they're all made by the Hollywood elites. You know who's running Hollywood, don't you? The only... The only... <laughs> President Trump ought to be. <laughs> anyway, I'm off out now, lads. Oh, good. Going to go buy some guns. Becoming slightly grating. <laughs> going to go flex my uh, my amendment rights <laughs> to bear arms. Oh yeah. Oh Very yes. Good. Yes. Right. See you, lads. Bye bye. Oh. Sorry about that. I just nip to the uh, nip to the toilet. <laughs> you wouldn't know. Did I miss anything? No, no. We need to do those shout outs for the new patrons, though. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm in a weird mood now. All right. <laughs> what are we doing? The Incredible Hulk. Oh yeah. So the interesting thing with the Incredible Hulk, which is part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, is this was a reboot five years after the previous rendition of the character. And that was quite a big deal back then. It, it's Nowadays, that's par for the course, and no one would blink an eye. But And I think there was, still is, a lot of confusion as to whether or not this film is a sequel to that film, or was it its own thing. It's its own thing. Um, but they... Oh, it's completely its own thing. But they clearly did lean very heavily into... Let's make this film work kind of like a sequel, so if anyone goes to see it expecting a sequel, well, they, they won't they be too pissed They skip the off. origin story, basically, is what they do, isn't it? Yeah, they, they skip the origin, into... and they pick up with Bruce Banner in Brazil, yeah. which is where he went to at the end of the last film. Yeah. Um, and I think it works perfectly as a... Because the, the, the origin of Hulk isn't very interesting by superhero standards, I don't think. So I think just getting the origin peppered in in flashbacks is perfect. Yeah. New cast, because it's a, a new a continuity. Complete revamp. Yeah, and they and they do the, the origin story over the opening credits, basically just in a, Ooh, like yeah. a montage kind of thing. Yeah, it's great. I love how they just gloss over it. I love that montage. There were, you know, well, they really some of the first interconnection... There's some, some of the first little inter... What's the word? Interconnecting Marvel details in that opening credit sequence. Is there? What is there? There is a reference to Stark Industries oh, yeah, on yeah, some yeah, of the paperwork. Yeah, yeah. There is a piece of paper that is um, refers to director Nick Fury oh. of Shield. I, I what I noticed was that when you see him, like he's in a he's strapped into a machine, he's going to get zapped with gamma rays and all that. 
Mm. You just see a quick glimpse of that. That is pretty much exactly what it, it looked like in the TV series. They copied the the, uh, yeah. the model yeah. of the actual machine and stuff. So that was a little reference there from the TV show. Yeah, yeah. Other references to the TV show in this one include... Uh, we didn't mention, because he had a cameo in the previous film as well. Previous film, we had Lou Ferrino and Stan Lee playing security guards. Yeah, yeah, security guards, yeah. And um, uh, Lou Ferrino plays another security guard in this one. Is it the same security guard who's moved? Is he the only? Is he the sequel? Is he the connecting tissue? <laughs> I think it's just meant to be a new character. I think they just thought, oh, we can put you in there. But <laughs> it is a, again, it's a weird little yeah, little detail. So yeah, nice little cameo for him there. Yeah, works because he seems like he you know would like pizza. He seems like he'd be a security guard. He looks the part. You know? <laughs> he's, he's, he's still very big, isn't he? A big big fella still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what thirty years after the original. I think so. Was, yeah, uh, I mean, second yeah. place in Mister Universe. Yeah, um, and there is the Lonely Man theme music woven into the score. times which is re- really nicely done actually actually on that note the score to this film is really good actually I, I think it's very underrated it's quite a generic action movie score which is maybe why but it's there's some really nice little melodies and weird like big pulsing noises that kind of get moved in that like really help convey the kind of boom boom like noise of the you know the, the idea of this big hulk monster and it's good i like it this is much more of a straight up action film it's, it's yeah you, you it's know designed what? as such it's directed as such by mm, mm. the man who brought you the transporter movies you know so you say yeah louis letterier isn't it louis letterier Louis Leterrier, who's made some really good stuff, actually. I, I quite like Louis. I sort of assume he's French because of the name. But... Uh, he's got a French accent. Hello, so I'm good. Louis Leterrier. I make a Justin Statham movies. Man, I wish these people would use the doorbell if they were going to come in. <laughs> no, I, I'm a French arrogant asshole. I was walking and say whatever I want. I'm played by John Malkovich. Excuse me, do you have any cheese? <laughs> anyway, well, <laughs> you'll have to talk to me instead. All right, I'll talk to you. Is, is Louis still here or is he no, gone? No, he's gone. I've, I've sent him uh, away to work on his accent. All right, see you, Louis. Bye. Um, Au revoir. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think this film, watching it again... Like, you can tell the Marvel Cinematic Universe hadn't really figured out what it was doing yet. This feels like an early... Well, it feels like part of that early wave of superhero movies from the the noughties, you know? Mm -hmm. It felt weirdly low stakes, honestly. Mm -hmm. It's a very small film compared to... um, You know, when you you think we're we're used to the stakes being, like, the the fate of the entire universe (laughs) nowadays in these Marvel movies. they, They have built to that in a kind of... We have to keep making it bigger kind of way, don't they? Yes. Yeah, yeah, he's not even is... really harming people. He's just smashing up cars. Well, I don't know where to jump in with this. There's a lot to talk about. So the, the action scenes. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like you say, this is really like quite a straightforward, down-the-line action movie. And I think it's got quite a nice amount of character stuff in there. But then you'll kind of have these very distinct, okay, now it's an action set piece. Uh, sequences, and that's pretty much every time the Hulk comes out. Yeah, and there's there's maybe three or four of these moments. I think they're all done really well. There's the chase on the rooftops with a load of parkour. Mm, yeah, in, uh, Brazil is like yeah, this is a postborn kind of superhero yeah. now because the first Hulk. It was when we think about the yeah that first Hulk that came out. It would have been the year after Born came out, but you know that perhaps just in that five years uh, with superheroes coming through and all this like the the 
the tone of action films have changed. I, I still think, you know, the Ang Lee one is not even in keeping with what was going on at the time. But yeah, this is very much a much more um, fly by the seat of your pants kind of uh, film, isn't it? I, I, I really like that sequence, though, because um, it's so kind of claustrophobic in these little alleyways and and very frenetic and frantic. Yeah. Uh, kinetic, sorry, uh, and frantic. And then you get these big sweeping aerial shots that just kind of make it make sense. And, you know, there's a, there's a guy chasing him who falls down uh, off the roof because he's can't quite see what's happening ahead of him and so it's you know it's definitely on purpose that you you kind of lose sense of what's happening at times but I think it's done really well and it's this kind of chase sequence that culminates in them getting the Hulk to come out and then there's a, a kind of horror inspired sequence with uh, the Hulk picking them off in the shadows and I, I think it's done really well and there's a similar action set piece moment at the university a bit later on where it's like, right, we're bringing the Hulk out. He's going to have a big fight with a load of soldiers and yeah. sci-fi weapons. And again, I, th- I think it's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, if you're into action, Which I'm I think not. this film does it very well. Yeah, but yeah, you're and not. This this was kind of, my, although this film was much better paced, it was much more of an action film, I still checked out like long before the end. I was not kind of in it at all. Uh, and it, it, it's not a particularly long film, but it felt like these individual bits were just going on and on and on, um, and not enough character, basically. I think there's way more character in this one. Does it do anything interesting? It does the man on the run thing that I think Hulk's kind of known for. I think it does it fine. But yeah, it's it's nothing that we haven't seen before. We do, we do get a sense here uh, in this film that the Hulk is triggered by an increased heart rate rather than anger mm. or anything, and so he can do it just by having a sort of furious wank would be enough to uh, apparently yeah. get him going. Because when he tries to have sex, it's, it's no go. I really, I really like that. Did you? I think, yeah, I, I think that's a nice element, don't you? It just seems silly. It just seems. Well, firstly, my heart rate doesn't go up that much when I'm having sex, so I don't know about that. Certainly not as much as it would whenever I'm running around the favelas trying to get away from someone killing me. Yeah, but you've, you don't have sex with Liv Tyler. Well, not recently. But, you know, <laughs> she's a bit old for me now. 2008 <laughs> Liv Tyler. I really like that. I think that explains why he's so angry. <laughs> just just frustrated. Yeah, he's, he's, you'd be, imagine that. Imagine the hell of never being able to come. <laughs> The thing is, if you if you leave it that long, it'll just happen without you having to really try. We not like you'd have to work up a sweat to make it happen. Mm, I guess. Did you enjoy the use of pathetic fallacy in this film? Well, I, th- I know I thought he, c- he couldn't get it up. Um, yeah, pretty pathetic. That's quite a good highbrow joke for us to say. It's about knobs and erections. <laughs> There's one moment very like it's a it's a it's such a blatant use of pathetic fallacy that it's like you know it's a strong directorial decision. Oh, yeah? that, like they they must have known this is going to be fucking jarring to people when. Um, the helicopter crashes at the university campus and it's like a bright sunny day and yeah. then like Hulk just emerges from raining. the yeah like <laughs> fucking downpour because <laughs> it's sad now yeah I mean I don't know if I, I I don't know if I took that as a kind of bold directorial decision as as much as a kind of crap directorial decision <laughs> just oh like, well oh, I mean well, whether or not you enjoy it now, it's a bold it's decision whether, yeah. Even if you think it's a crap decision, it's a bold decision. Yeah, it's yeah, like, really? You're going to go with that? It's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, well, it's that an odd choice, isn't it? Even as, as you know, as uh, the defender of this film, I still find that a very weird <laughs> thing that they do in this film. Like, they, they, they use rain quite unsubtly in other parts as well, but it's never quite that um, ridiculous. Mm. Um, Once again, we've got uh, the Betty Ross dad is the general chasing Banner character. Mm, uh, yeah. This time played by William Hurt. 
they make something of a twist out of it in the middle when when she's like, General, stop! General! Dad! <laughs> Which, uh, if you don't remember the previous film or haven't seen it, I think well, that it works was it. quite I, nicely, I actually. I didn't realise that because I knew... It was a dad because we just watched the other film. Yeah, yeah. So that was. Lost but that's it. Well, I remember when I first watched this, being like, "Oh wow, it's a dad. Oh, interesting." Yeah, it's a bit of a coincidence of the world, the story world that mm, you mm, just have to yeah. deal with, I suppose. Yeah, they don't have a good relationship, uh, mm. father and daughter, because he keeps trying to kill her boyfriend. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I'll do it. But I think it would be nicer if we had a bit more, for both of these films, if we had a bit more sympathy for the general. Uh, like, if we yeah. kind of understood why he was doing it, you know, this is a threat, and I just don't think that ever comes across. I'll give you that, because that would be a very easy character to humanise. Yeah, at least we could see make, his point of view. and Yeah, and make his point of view feels. relevant, and, you know, he, he sees the, the Hulk for the threat that it is, and you know, he's worried about his daughter. There's so many ways you could go with it. And it would have been very easy to do. And I think if this film were made nowadays by Marvel Studios, they would do that. Because mm. they seem to be a lot better at making their villains three-dimensional these days. Yeah, he is a very cartoonish two-dimensional villain. And, you know, I think it works, but it, it could be better. Broad strokes, I think the acting is very weird in this film. Right. Not bad, but a lot of odd decisions being made. Particularly from, not so much Tim Roth, but the decision to cast Tim Roth in this kind of a film. As a Russian? <laughs> well, that as well, yeah. Ding but, dong! You know, Scarlett Johansson's ding also dong. a Russian in this ding universe. Dong. <laughs> ding dong! Hello? Who is it? Hello? Hang on a sec. Hello. <laughs> Russian. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> do you do Russian? Well, if if you're anything like Tim Roth, hello, it's me. I'm oh, Russian. Right, I'm Russian Tim Roth. What's going on? <laughs> um, oh, what's that bottle you've got in your hand? Vodka. Is that um, vodka? Oh, good. Yeah, vodka because I'm Russian. Get it? <laughs> You'll get it. Um, Fucking get it right in the Utah. What else do Russians do? Hey. Hey, um, Russian Tim Roth. Huh? Um, da? You you should have been here earlier. <laughs> you should have been there earlier when we had uh, American American Bond in. He was he's he's a big fan of Trump. Oh fuck! I understand him. you're a big fan of Trump. Yeah, as well. fucking love Trump. We helped him get in, didn't we? Yeah, my boy, <laughs> my boy Putin. Put him in. <laughs> so, the Incredible Hulk with Tim Roth. So, yeah, um, I feel like his performance is so at ends with what everyone else is doing in this film. Mm. It just yeah. feels very... I don't know, it's like you get Tim Roth in little indie movies, don't you? And all the other people are doing big blockbuster acting, which is, like, not... Neither one's bad, it just feels like they don't gel together. You've got William Hurt being very, well, I'm a bad guy, I'm an evil man, and I'm going to enunciate in a certain way. And then Tim Roth's just like... Yeah, I want that. Give me some of that. Now, what possibly could I have done to deserve such aggression? It's not what you've done. It's what you're going to do. I want what you've got to have, Ben. I want that. It's just yeah. very understated in like a weird yeah, way. I mean, that... Yeah, yeah, I do. I know exactly what you mean, yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't dislike it, but it's very jarring. It's, it's odd. An mm. odd decision. Mm. And I don't know if it's to do with... Louis Lettieri's uh, grasp on the English language. You keep going to that. I think <laughs> <laughs> my English is perfect. What do you talk? No, about? but I, I, I do think his, um, you know, English is his second language, and uh, yeah, but he's an action director, and he's he's probably more concerned with the visuals. I don't know, maybe it just lets the actors kind of get on with it, and they've they sort of come with their own things. And yeah, yeah. What do you think about Edward Norton then? Well, I was going to say. Um, if your style of directing is, you know, cast good actors and let them do their thing, Ed Norton is exactly the kind of guy you want on mm -hmm. your film. And I I really like Ed Norton as a rule of thumb. Yeah. And I think he's yeah, I think he's very good as Bruce Banner. I, I think it's a shame we never got to see him reprise the role. But, you know, Mark Ruffalo's also excellent, so you know, it's good. 
Yeah, I like him. I, th- I think he's a very likable presence. Um, he does a good job to not let any of the sort of behind-the-scenes arseholery uh, sneak through when you're watching him. And to be honest, when, whenever you hear about him being an arsehole behind the scenes, it always sounds like, well, that probably made the film better. Yeah, yeah. Like, on this film, it was basically he kept getting his fingers all over the script and trying to add in characterization that just wasn't there mm-hmm. to make the film have more... I can understand why he did that. Yeah, and I get the impression that he really improved the film a lot, to be honest. Um, I think most of the character we get is stuff he added in, you know? But, um, so, yeah, we've got Edward Norton. Uh, now, we talked about Liv Tyler a few weeks ago because she was in Jersey Girl. Yes, we and did, we, you're right, yeah. We kind of said that she's a nice presence, but there's just something... Well, I don't know if we said this at the time, but there's just something about her that doesn't quite sit right. It doesn't fit into Hollywood somehow. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah, no, I completely agree. And because of that, you can't shake this feeling constantly of, yeah, you wouldn't have a career were it not for <laughs> nepotism. <laughs> You just wouldn't have got this far, but it's it is weird because I do I do actually really quite like her, and yeah. I, I mean I like her in this film. I like her in pretty much everything I've seen her in, but I can't. I almost feel like she's not good, and she's found a way to bypass my ability to judge a performance accurately. Yeah, some yeah, weird yeah. way, I feel like she's hacking my brain. <laughs> and the obvious thing would be, oh man, she is fit, <laughs> but it's I mean it's not that because. <laughs> Because, you know, she's an attractive woman, but she's not like... Yeah. There's more attractive women in Hollywood who, I'll say, are giving bad performances and stuff, you know? So I don't know quite what it is. She's just very likeable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the other the other sort of cast member... Tim Blake Nelson. Uh, yeah, he's obviously a, this is obviously a character that's from the comics that they were mm. te- having a potential set up. Yeah, setting him up as a future villain that probably won't ever happen, but... Which is a shame, because I really like Tim Blake Nelson. Yeah, yeah. In this film as well, I think he's I think he's a real injection of uh, energy towards the end of the film. Um, I must admit, I there's this whole big fight thing at the end, I just completely checked out, I was mm. gone. Yeah, I just did not hold my attention at all by the end. After Tim Roth turns into a, a monster, that was I was I was done really. A monster with a really jarringly British accent. <laughs> Give me a real fight. <laughs> Give me a real fight. There's some real Jekyll and Hyde flavors in this film that I quite yeah. like. I I wish I'd like to see a Hulk film that kind of really leans into that, like gives us a kind of universal horror take on yeah. the Hulk. Yeah. I think that'd be a nice, interesting way for a future Marvel movie to go, but I don't think it'll ever happen. I think my my problem with this film, and, and, and definitely where it goes later on with the Avengers and all that, is that, yeah, the Hulk just becomes a big, strong guy, rather than that's, that's, there's no anger yeah. there anymore, there's no loss of control, um, there's no metaphor that it's something else, you know? It's just, I oh agree, yeah, yeah, sometimes I'm really strong... The Hulk, as he's portrayed, my knowledge of the Hulk in the comics as well, is that he's basically completely invincible. So it's very difficult to ever feel worried about whether or not Bruce Banner, Hulk, is going to be okay. I think in comic books they've detonated nuclear bombs on top of him to try and get rid of him, and he survived it. You know, it's... He's just... It's, it's a Superman thing. When you get yeah. to that level of strength, it's just... Yeah. It's, that annoyed me in this film. They just kept shooting him, and it was just bouncing off him. It wasn't even like holding him back a little bit. It was like nothing. Well, it was... But they just know, kept shooting him, kept shooting it's him. Like if, yeah, it's like if if you were coming at me, and I had a Nerf gun, and I was trying to stop you from coming at me, and that's all I had, I'd probably shoot the Nerf gun at you. I don't know. Well, at some point, you'd it, away, get, you'd, go, you'd, you'd be a bit like, oh, is. fuck. It, it might just give you the extra, you know, few seconds you need. So, this film, anything else to say? Don't think so. Alright. What what would you give it? Well, like I said, I, it was just a generic action film for me, which is not really my thing. So, this score is much more of a reflection of like personal taste rather than the last film that was just didn't really work. So I gave this a 5 out of 10. Hmm. Same, same as the previous one, but... I think I'm, I'm similar to you, but I just like this sort of thing a lot more. I, I you know... I'm not a big fan of generic action, but I am if it's got superhero elements and monsters and there's enough little things in it for me that work. And I I think, you know, I think it does what it's trying to do very well. So 
this is what's probably going to seem very high, uh, but an 8 out of 10 for me. What? thought it was going to be a solid 7 there. No, I'll give it an 8. Wow. I think it does a great job of laying a lot of groundwork for, you know, what became part of the Marvel universe. And I take this over Thor, certainly. The first Thor, yeah. Yeah. So, after this film, you might know, what was the story? Was Edward Norton contracted in and then just told to piss off? or I believe there was some kind of behind-the-scenes drama, but basically he refused to do publicity for the film. And I think the official line from him was that he doesn't do publicity for his films because he thinks it takes away from the the magic of um, filmmaking and blah, 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 blah. But that definitely upset people involved and was seen as a slight against the film. But it also seems like he did fall out with a lot of people involved because he did heavily rewrite the script but was then denied a writing credit, which I think he wanted on the film. Mm Mm-hmm. So, by all accounts, he just wasn't really gelling with, uh, I'm going to assume, Kevin Feige uh, producing these things. But you know you know when you, you that kind of classic trope of, uh, you know, a boss comes to a new office or fires someone to sort of assert yeah. their dominance? Yeah. <laughs> like, it feels like that. Like, okay, it's just a little message to everyone saying, you know, don't get too demandy with your contracts because we will just replace actors. We don't care. Well, you know, don't don't worry. Uh, don't, don't worry. Don't forget that um, Terence Howard had been replaced with Don Cheadle as yeah, well before the Avengers. Quite the same, though, is it? No. It's not one of your tentpole. Yeah, names. yeah. But it did lead to a lot of confusion, I think, for people as to where, where this film stood. Mm-hmm. In Especially as it already been Marvel. one that had kind of been dismissed, and yeah. I think a lot of people didn't really get that it was the same version of the character Mark Ruffalo was playing in The Avengers, but yeah. then they brought back William Hurt for Captain America Civil War. and oh, did they? Really kind of cemented... Yeah, yeah, he comes back as General Ross. Will there ever be a Hulk film on his own again? Uh, probably not. I mean, I'm sure there will at some point in the future, but Kevin Feige's basically said it's not going to happen because the copyright... The, the rights over Hulk are kind of complicated and there's some issue whereby Marvel own the rights to use the character but only in like a supporting capacity and mm. like if they want to make a solo film they have to kind of split the rights between Disney and uh, is it Universal, whoever made this one and it's all a bit confusing and up in the air mm. um, so that alone will probably stop it from happening. Plus, they seem to have struggled to pull off solo Hulk movies in the past. I think there's a, there's a, an idea that audiences aren't really interested in it, but mm. they love Hulk as part of an ensemble. Yeah, they need to just play with it more, if they were going to do it. They need to just well, go, yeah, go down that Jekyll and Hyde route. And, this is the and, thing, and you, you, yeah, you're never going to dig that. Like, what you were complaining about with him just being a big guy, smashes stuff up. Like, you're never going to get any deeper than that. When he's yeah. part of an ensemble, it needs to be his own film to really dig into that. So, but you know, I think that's fine, and you know, I I like where he is. I like that we get stuff like Thor Ragnarok and what have you. So, if we were going to do a Hulk film, Alan, well, like I say, I'd really love to see a character uh, work on it. Like, yeah, just use a Jekyll and Hyde kind of formula of someone. I agree. Yeah, sort of struggling with this concept of. Turning, or like any kind of you know Wolverine, well not Wolverine, Wolfman kind of thing where you yeah, know you, yeah. you change without your control. You're doing things you don't know about, and then you have to deal with the consequences. I, I don't I think we ever agree. quite get into that. It's kind of used as an opening, and then you go into an action film. I I completely agree. I I would have said Planet Hulk, but now they've kind of done it. So now I think the best follow up is a, a stripped down, back to basics solo Hulk movie that really leans into the the style of old universal horror movies. Mm. Like you say, Jekyll and Hyde looks to horror to make it, you know, distinctly its own flavour within the Marvel world, because yeah. I think that's the best way to do that. Hire a, a, a little horror director to make it. Jordan Peele? Yeah, I was thinking, could <laughs> we get Jordan Blum to produce this? <laughs> um, yeah, you know what, Jordan Peele... I would love to see his take on a Hulk movie. Guillermo del Toro seems to be in love with The Incredible Hulk as well. I bet he'd yeah. love to do it, but that he'd probably want too much creative control that they wouldn't give him. And 
Yeah, yeah. Let's say you want someone who's done a, a real psychological horror, you know, like something yeah, that's really yeah, yeah. intense. And I also want a character journey where he kind of has to come to terms with that this is another side of himself and he can't just bury it or, mm. or cure mm. it. He has to learn to live with it and kind of understand it and control yeah. it and it becomes a, like a more rounded person altogether. I think that's the yeah. basic idea behind the whole thing, isn't it? But if they were going to make another one at this point, it would be part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, yeah. I don't know, you'd probably be looking to to introduce She-Hulk, add, uh, add some more female characters in there. Someone creates a clone of, a clone army of Hulks. <laughs> and right. then they just fight each other. <laughs> Great. That's it. Can, can they be miniature? <laughs> can, they, can they be like one foot tall Hulks? Portrayed by Kevin Smith. <laughs> Hulk smash. Um, but no, I mean, I think that's a good enough pitch, really, isn't it? Jekyll and Hyde. That's 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 how I, I I can't think of a better way of doing it. And you could do that within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You could do it like yeah, yeah Scarlett Johansson's in it. She's kind of supporting him, and they're trying to find a cure. And then over the course of the film, he kind of accepts that he doesn't want to cure it. It's part of him and. And he's gone like on the run, so he's him. he's gone on the run to like Transylvania or somewhere. <laughs> so you got a spooky setting for the castle. Yeah. Tim Blake Nelson can come back as the villain that's teased in this one with a big mm-hmm. brain, big head. He's a big brain. Is that is, is that the character? Yeah, because the juice goes in his head, doesn't it? And his yeah. head's all throbbing. And I, I think the character's like got psychic brain powers and super intelligence <laughs> oh, and all that. Excellent. It's like it's like mind versus matter, brain versus brawn. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm alright with that. Um, anything else to say, or should we should we wrap that up? No, that's fine for me. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening, and if you have enjoyed this show, then you may enjoy our other forays into the world of Marvel. Check out our back catalogue at dimreturns.com, and look out especially for episodes 21, 47, 57, 73, 89, 99, and 109. Yes, we really have done that many episodes covering all the different elements of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, if you'd like to have some influence on what films we choose to look at, then you should really go to patreon.com forward slash dimreturns, where you can support us for just $1 a month. And right now we're in the midst of a vote to decide what films we should look at in future episodes. Come and get involved, and do join us again next week when we go back to Bond. I'm President Clinton and I love blowjobs. <laughs>